You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, March Madness has has been wild in the actual March <laughs> Madness, but yeah, no March Madness for the Chiefs in the NFL, it seems. Well, that's just what we need to get used to, you know. They're not going to have a lot of money to spend, well, as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. So we enjoy that and just take what we get in free agency because that's the way it's going to be. Tom Childs, our wonderful Arrow Headlines editor, roots for the wrong English Premier League soccer team, got into our DMs yesterday (laughs) and he said, is it all right to call this offseason boring on Arrow Headlines? (laughs) Yes, Tom, that's fine. So it's true. It, it, when you're you're picking 31, thanks to the the criminal dolphins instead of 32, and you are having a lot of money tied up, you got to be very selective. I know that Brett Veach has used this term in the past of being selectively aggressive, which has really become a theme for I think this strategy that we have seen from them now to manage the cap with Patrick Mahomes. That's something we'll talk about today. We'll of course do our, our news roundup. I know that Jared had a a key piece that we're going to discuss in the, in the second half of this thing, but it really is one of these things where you got to hurry up and, and wait in a sense for any kind of move for the chiefs to happen. And and again, that'll be probably the theme of today's show. We do have one review and we actually have two. We, we talked about one of them off air. You can, you can go look at the one star review. If you, if you, are so inclined, but we did get a five-star review in and it's from Cody in Indiana. We'll start there before we get into what is the, the chief's news. Here's Cody. I'm a moment on his soapbox and uh, this is a long review, but we're going to, we're going to get through it. Oh, well, I remember very well. Halloween of 1993. I was a five-year-old trick-or-treating at Osage beach outlets dressed as Joe Montana. I relish the compliments. I would not have otherwise received back home in Indiana for my costume. Outside of my family, the Chiefs were a big reason I loved visiting family in Missouri. I still have that Montana jersey, amongst many others acquired over the years. Then to wait faithfully nearly another 30 years, I'll forever cherish moments like calling my grandma after winning Super Bowl 54 to share the victory or experiencing Arrowhead Stadium alongside my grandpa. For many of us, that's a big part of what it's all about to be a fanatic of a professional sports franchise. My fandom has only grown since 93, and as a diehard member of Chiefs Kingdom outside of the Missouri area, it's refreshing to have access to quality Chiefs content. Thank you, AP, for the quality content your team consistently puts out, both in-season and off-season, and for all the hard work behind the scenes that goes into making it all happen. For me, free agency and the draft are just as entertaining as the regular season with the help of AP. You guys are amongst the best at what you do and one of my go-tos for content. So 
Pete and John. The AP Editor Show is so well done. I look forward to every episode. In Veach, we trust. Go Chiefs. Now, when I first started reading this review, it, you know, when you say soapbox, you think you're in for a... <laughs> A rant of some sort. Yeah. This, this mm-hmm. was all this was all sunshine and rainbows to me, John. Yeah. Well, uh, you're welcome. That's my response to that. <laughs> and that's very kind. Those are all very kind words, which we appreciate. Uh, we don't a five year old. Those. In, a five year old in ninety three. That that means you were born like myself in nineteen eighty eight. Which I don't know if you knew this, John, but in, in the Chinese New Year, that's the year of the dragon. So can you know, oh, keep that in well, mind? I was no. born on, the, on the, the year of the dragon. I'm not sure what yours was, but that that's what uh, mine was. Yeah, I, I don't know. The year of the sloth or something. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. You're going to call you're going to compare yourself to Demetrius <laughs> Harris. Remember that Andy Reid used to call him the sloth? Oh my, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. That is a, a chief's nickname of yesteryear at, at this stage. All right. Enough of the sloth, enough of Chinese New Year. Let's get into what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Truth of the matter is, not a whole lot at this stage. I, I know that some fans are, are getting antsy. And that's understandable. There's only so much room against the cap. We're going to get into a bigger cap discussion again after the break. But let's start here. McCole Hardman, John, says goodbye to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hello to the New York Jets. What was your initial reaction to that? Well, I was a little surprised, but not a lot surprised. I mean, um, I know people had, you know, Hardman's been kind of an odd topic uh, for Chiefs fans ever since he was drafted because uh, he was largely seen as a guy to uh, back up Tyreek Hill uh, because he was drafted at the moment Hill was having all these off-the-field problems. And he never really established among fans an identity of his own. Maybe that's not fair. It might be that uh, we didn't cut him enough slack for the situation that he was in. Um, and I think that this is one of those cases we, we, we often talk about players here are worth more to the chiefs than they are to other teams. I think yeah. in this case, we're talking about a player who is worth more to other teams than he was to the chiefs. Uh, certainly true with regard to the fan base and maybe with regard to the, with the people running the team as well. And that's, this is the way it's played out. Yeah. I, I pulled up the contract that the New York jets gave him it. It states one year for four and a half million. I know that it, it can get up at as high as, as six and a half. That was reported by Ian Rappaport. The yeah. Jets did build in voidable years. So the cap hit for this year is one eight, two four for next year, and then six hundred thousand thereafter. I know that gets into the realm of, of dead cap. John, we've talked about this before. This is a strategy where other teams have, have done it, the, the voided years that don't mm-hmm. really count. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Kansas City has chosen generally not to. I can't even recall one, right? We can't we can't recall one where they build in voidable years or have they done it? We we had that for I think it was Alex Okafor had a void mm-hmm. year. Uh okay, yeah, but, but it was very just, seldom. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and we certainly haven't seen an example where they have put, you know, three or four void years at the end of the contract in order to spread out uh, a fairly large signing bonus which is the way it's typically used by other teams. We haven't seen the Chiefs do that at all. It was just kind of like a, a, a little aside thing on Okafor's contract. That's the only one I remember off the top of my head. I think that the general feeling I get when I see the deal and see the cap hit is that it probably would have been manageable for the Chiefs, but mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think they it's one of these hard things that they're never going to say out loud, right? But you can read between the lines. I think they probably said to themselves, we're, we're not interested. 
in Hardman, or maybe they were interested in, in matching and Hardman wanted to go elsewhere to, to try to continue to, to build upon his career and have a different role. I, I know that in a way, you know, if he wants to be one of those, these true receivers, a true number two receiver, he's pigeonholed in a way in Kansas City. I think Andy Reid had a very particular role for him in mind, and, and maybe it just wasn't a match. Sometimes we don't get that in, in the public press conferences. You know, I, I in, in a way, it's very similar to Eric Bieniemy's situation. Yeah. He needed to find a place where he could uh, exist on his own uh, outside of the shadow of someone else, which has always been the case in San, and it would continue to be the case um here in kansas city because the other person isn't another wide receiver it's travis kelsey you know that's the problem that he's really facing is that travis kelsey is the star of the receiving core in kansas city so he needs to go someplace where that isn't the case in order to you know really have a, a, a legitimate shot to be the the team's main weapon so in that respect it's very much like eric b enemy and um i think i think i wish him well yeah, I think you're right to an extent, and I more more for me in in what you just said about the pass catchers around him here in Kansas City, and and I guess in a way it is like Bianami, but it, to me that that's a great point because on several occasions when he was a member of the Chiefs, he looked this was the Zoom era. He looked the Zoom camera in the eye, or he explained <laughs> via press conference and said, "I'm behind Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. I don't know what you guys want from me," and I think. Yeah. Maybe to an extent, he he did feel the the shadow, and I know a lot of times we're like, well, you know, you win a Super Bowl, you want to stay with that team, and I I think that's only true if you have a significant role because I think for some players they say like a Juju, and maybe we missed this in, in evaluating heading into the offseason, but maybe like a Juju they they say to themselves, well, I got my ring, I'm gonna go get my money, right? Yeah, or, right, right. You know, McColl says I got two rings. Let me yeah. go finally try to get a thousand yards for once in my life, you know, and so maybe that that kind of played into it. But the money was so low that you, you just think for one reason or another, one side or another or both sides simply said, OK, there was mutual disinterest. And I, I think that's my my grand takeaway. And, and McCall Hardman had a lot of nice things to say. I said thank you to Clark, Clark Hunt, Coach Reed, the Chiefs organization, the, the Super Bowls. He thanked his teammates, Pat Travis, Chris Jones, uh, among others. So. Good luck to Nicole Hardman. It's uh, always a little bit tougher, I think, for fans to root for another player or a former player that is staying in the AFC. It's always nice to see those guys go to the NFC, like in the in the case of Eric Bieniemy and the impending new ownership. But we'll, we'll see. And Nicole Hardman will have an opportunity to play the Chiefs. Chiefs visit New York. I, I for years, have thought we would get Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not. Uh, something weird's going to happen where where they don't face off again. I, I just not, I don't know if we're yeah. going to get Zach Wilson, Patrick Mullen for that game. But yes, McCole Hardman <laughs> should be participating against Kansas City in New Jersey. Let's be very clear about that. Andy Reid uh, actually had some concrete words to say, more so about Sky Moore uh, and less about Odell Beckham Jr. in his interview catch-up at the, the spring meeting with Steve Weich. Here's what Reid said. We're expecting Sky Moore to step up. We'll just see how everything else works. We got the same guys coming back that we had, and we like that group with the exception of Juju. McCall was banged up a little bit, so he didn't have a chance to play as much as he would have wanted. We'll work out the thing without Juju. Somebody will have to step up and and take that spot. Asked specifically about Odell, who was spotted in Phoenix. Odell's a good football player. He does a nice job, so we'll see how that goes. Bar for the course for Andy Reid, not really (laughs) giving you too much on Odell. I maintain that I think the Chiefs, are interested in Odell, 
but it comes with the caveat, the asterisk at their price. Right. And the longer this thing goes, it, I just wonder if they're going to just get outbid because, you know, for better or for worse, this is what the Chiefs have established. Now, they ain't overpaying anymore for anybody. You know, once you trade Tyree Kill, you establish we have a price in mind, you know, whether that be as small as deal as McCole Hardman could have been 1.8 or whatever against the cat or as big as they wanted to give Tyreek Hill, which was right on the edge of the top of the market, not getting there quite quite the whole way. And they said, we're sticking to that, and you know, we'll move on if you're not. And so I think that's going to be the, the case with Odell. And I think the longer this goes, they, they may get outbid here. You know, We'll see about that. But one player we do know is going to be here, John, is, is Sky Moore. And Andy Reid saying the obvious, this is going to be a big year for Sky Moore, who suddenly has this grand opportunity you know, at this stage with a, a very slim wide receiver room for the chiefs. Yeah. He, you know, he hasn't really had a whole lot of snaps in the chiefs offense uh, in his rookie season. So I think it may be a little unfair to put too much of a characterization on him based on that. And of course he got dealt a pretty bad hand by having to do punt returns um, in, in a situation where he hadn't really done that before. So, and then he didn't do well and, you know, came to be a big problem for him and for Dave Tobe over the course of the 2022 season. So kind of an unfortunate set of circumstances for him, but I think that those snaps will be available in 2023 and we'll just have to see what he can do with that additional work. He certainly has, you know, in certain spots shown the ability to be a really good player. And uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic about it. Yeah, I I think he did flash. The releases off the line are are pretty impressive. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I go back to to this point when you look into this season, and you know, I understand where you have a lot of unproven guys. You know, when you look at the wide receiver room right now, it's Marquez Valdez Scantling. You have Kadarius Tony, and then you have Sky Moore, and I I you know just think about last year, and I'm trying to put myself in the the mindset of what were we thinking going into the season? Man, it was the same thing. It was Marquez Valdez Scantling, Nicole Hardman, and Juju Smith Schuster. Smith Schuster coming off that injury filled year. The only time he had really had an outstanding season, he was the number two receiver across from Antonio Brown. Marquez Valdez Scantling had come here wanting a bigger role than he had in Green Bay, where he was looked at as this guy who could only extend the field. And then McCole Hardman, I, I think, was finally looking at it as a, a year where he could come out of the woodwork. I mean, isn't that same type of thing for Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Like, you look at Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony's probably more of a fit for the juju role where he is injured his whole year, his whole career. He finally wants to put together this healthy year where he can stand out. The Chiefs see him as a number one wide receiver. And then you have Sky Moore, who, in a way, is in that Hardman role where he was waiting for it to <laughs> open up a little bit for him. And it's just three unproven guys. It's it's a very similar thing. I, I guess if you want to say Smith Schuster is a bigger name because he did have the the thousand yard season, fourteen hundred yard season next to Antonio Brown. Yes, he he had certainly done it before, but it's it's the same theme to me in a way. And I, I think they will add another receiver here. So it it's a little bit of a let's breathe a little bit. And I think <laughs> by the time this gets to training camp, it's gonna have a very similar feeling to last year heading into it. But there will be another player or two in that mix. Yeah. I don't think I don't think this is you know I don't think that we've come to the end of the road. Um, I think there's a good chance Justin Watson could come yeah, where's back. Where's my guy Watson? Why is he not signed yeah. yet? Let's get I, him I think back on a, board. Well, I think they want to see 
what is what else is out there before they finally add him because they can always sign him. I don't think there's going to be a big clamoring to get Justin Watson on another team, so they can afford to wait and see if there's you know a better way that they can go. They can always sign him later. And there's, you know, people talk about, oh, there's no wide receivers left. No, there's about 20 guys on the market who could uh, do a job for the Chiefs and maybe do pretty well for the Chiefs. It's just that they aren't big names that are going to get people excited. And um, the very people like Justin Watson last year, you yeah. know, this was a guy who uh, had only been a special teams player in Tampa Bay. And it was like, when he was signed, people were most like, who, huh? Mm. What? You know? And then he turned out to be not a fantastic wide receiver, but he came up with some good plays and some key moments, which is just the kind of thing you want to see from that kind of player. I had been interested in, in DJ shark and I was optimistic about maybe what the chiefs could get him for. And he ends up going to the Carolina Panthers on a one year, $5 million deal mm -hmm. that had, yeah. That had built-in voidable years to it as well, right? I mean, I, th I think that is something worth exploring, like why the Chiefs are so averse to to doing these voidable year deals. Because you look at the cap hit for Shark, for example, it goes to the Panthers, 1.8 for this year, according to SpotRack, 3.1 for next year. But again, I, you know, and this goes into it, right? We're looking for the obvious. I would love to do it in more detail. But, you know, now you are having 3.1 against your 2024 cap with no player to show for it because it's right. an avoidable year. So that that's kind of, you know, what goes into it. Uh, Andy Reid also in that same interview, John, he said that Patrick Mahomes ankle is fine. I've had a couple of people here and there asking about Mahomes' ankle when people want to talk chiefs in person, whether it be friends or friends of friends and, and whatnot. And I'm like, I don't know what everyone's, maybe they're getting confused with turf toe. You don't need a surgery, typically speaking, right. For, a high ankle sprain. He did have the corrective surgery for the turf toe. And so I think there was a lingering feeling that maybe he would have to have some kind of surgery and be limited this off season. But I think it's just simple rehab. Like that's a, a big time time thing. So I don't think he dove right into what would be his usual off season. But by the time the OTAs and those type of things start, John, I, I tend to think he's going to be 100% fully ready to, to go with this particular injury. Well, I 100% agree that he'll be 100% ready. I mean, you know, you're right. This isn't something that's going to require surgery. It's just going to require him not playing football for a little while, which isn't an option during the season. <laughs> when he has an ankle sprain, he's got to continue right. to play. Especially during else, the NFL you know, playoffs, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think there's I think a misconception, to too. <laughs> I think people forget that he had it the whole playoffs. I think people thought it was in the AFC title game, but this is actually something that he dealt with in, against Jacksonville. It happened very early in the Chiefs mm -hmm. playoffs, yeah. and then he had to, to deal with it. So, you're not, there was no improvement of the ankle it was more managing and then that clock you know whether it be six to eight weeks starts probably after the super bowl so you know we're about there now you know at this stage i think i think he'll he'll be ready to do camp pat i, I got to imagine this is a repeat of camp pat coming up here in in april I, when the chiefs win the super bowl they try to do as much as possible where they can um you know just repeat exactly what they did the previous year and so i, I tend to think that's upcoming and i I think uh, he'll he'll be good to go. I meant to put this in the rundown, and I I clearly forgot, John. But uh -oh. uh, Patrick Mahomes uh -oh. took exception to the Roger Goodell oh. um, decision. <laughs> this was late yesterday. 
wrote it up for us this morning. Uh, the NFL decided at these owners meetings this week in Phoenix to allow teams to have more than one Thursday night football game. I've seen different headlines and, and whatnot that they could have up to three if it ends up being flexible, but certainly more than one. And Patrick Mahomes with the emoji seen around the NFL world hits Roger Goodell, the commish with the face palm emoji, which is never a good sign. If, if you're in a relationship and you get the, the face palm emoji, you are not in for a good day. Uh, so that is as damning as it comes when it comes to emojis and Roger Goodell. Uh, and this is a, a sign at the times, right? He felt the need after he's questioned about it to respond to the emoji of the number one player in the game saying, I don't think we're putting Amazon, which owns the rights to, to Thursday night football. Uh, over our players, the data doesn't show a higher injury rate. I hear from players who also love the 10 days after a Thursday night game. We have to try to balance all of it. Uh, unfortunately for Mahomes, and I, I think he does truly possess a lot of say in the Chiefs organization and the NFL, this is a money thing, and it's money and business over anything and everything in, in this league. I could see the NFL curbing this flex idea where suddenly in 15 days time you're going to be on short rest with no previous notice uh, but i but them going back on these big time teams premier teams like the teams with stars in cincinnati and, and kansas city like these big time teams that have the big markets like uh, philadelphia new york um, california i think you're going to see them booked ahead of time for the, the two thursday night games I, I think that's very real and not coming back to yeah, I agree. And, you know, we're going to have flex scheduling for Monday night football this year, which has not been the case in previous years. And it may be that the correct way to handle this is to do the flex scheduling for Sunday night and Monday night, but not do it on Thursday night mm -hmm. so that, uh, you know, you'd still have the ability to move those big games around. That means that they're going to have to concentrate getting more good matchups up front in right. the Thursday night games. And so I think that's why they have decided to change the rules about how many times a team can be in there. I, I was just looking for it. I had a, well, I saw something, I saw a quote about that. I, Here it is. This is the NFL, uh, media and business officer brian rolap who said this uh yesterday we want to make sure that teams competitively play their way into prime time well now that says to me they're saying we want to get good teams in the thursday night games and so without uh, the flex they're going to have to do it up front somehow flex i i wrote this last week but flexing the chiefs into thursday night football and any team right is 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 mm. bad for health and safety but it's a competitive disadvantage to the teams that have, have built better rosters because suddenly they're playing on two thursday nights you know they find out two weeks ahead of time hey by the way it's going to be short rest uh and yes i know that leads into a a bigger break which is what roger goodell it was was referencing but why should the best teams in the league have to play on short rest twice especially when it's so random whether or not that game is on the road, people don't realize how much of a, a big disadvantage and even a boosted disadvantage it is when the team right. is traveling because you're, you're right. losing prep time as well. So mm -hmm. I was, again, that, that this was my take on it. This was before the, the face palm scene, scene around the NFL world, that I was not in favor of this, especially in Kansas City. 
because it, it just it wouldn't be fair. And now you're you're having a Chiefs team. Um, remember, remember the days when we used to beg for the Kansas City Chiefs to be on prime time? <laughs> you have a Chiefs team that's certainly going to be booked for five, which is the pre-booking max. And then now they can have potential to be flexed into two more. And whether that be Monday night, you're, you know, you have days changing, not to mention the nightmare that it is for the travel secretary of all these teams. You're booking hotels for five day blocks for a hundred people. It, it, the NFL is not <laughs> in this particular situation. And I guess there's a lot of particular situations. The NFL is not thinking about anything but the bottom line and making sure that Amazon feels like paying $1 billion for Thursday night football was worth it per year. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I do think the flex to Thursday is going to have too much pushback, but this idea of the pre-scheduling of a team for multiple Thursday night games is, is going to be there. And this is already a Kansas city chiefs team who is expected to go to Germany. So if you thought the schedule was getting easier, uh, this will be a, a tough road, yeah. both team-wise and logistically, heading into um, what would be 2023. Uh, John, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are doing a show in Kansas City the Wednesday night before the NFL draft, uh, New Heights Live, and they are excited about this. I'm looking into seeing if if we could cover this for Arrowhead Pride. I've been, I've been talking to them. I'm, not that they need any publicity at this stage. They are one of the top <laughs> podcasts Yeah, uh, really uh, across podcasts in general. If you go to even just to the top, I believe they're in the top 50 if you just go to just podcasts. It's even more so than, and then certainly at the top of, of football. In the last New Heights, Travis Kelsey had some interesting words when it came to Orlando Brown Jr., who, of course, went to the Cincinnati Bengals after talks failed with the Chiefs. Uh, this is what Travis said. It, it hurts my soul. It's like watching your best friend turn evil on you. The past two years, we've been struggling to beat the Bengals, so there's been a lot of build-up emotion. And I would say not necessarily hate, but he dislikes the Bengals because they kept beating us and talking about it every time. So it's like, man, to see you go to the dark side, it's an awkward feeling. And then Travis went on to say he hopes OBJ has a Hall of Fame career, which nothing for the, the, the best, and they got great great memories but and and this is how he put it john this rivalry is on and popping at this stage so some some true words i think some honest words from travis kelsey and as you know this is what i always say the more wwe the better so i hope he doubles down (laughs) the week they play the Bengals, and we get more of this talk as as obj starts to starts a new chapter uh with with the cincinnati Bengals trying to to knock the chiefs off in the playoffs well, I'm just now imagining someone throwing a chair on the stage of the music hall uh, mm-hmm. during the New Heights live. See, uh, they should be planning that, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, Rick Flair always said wrestling isn't fake. It's choreographed. And why not choreograph a, a chair shot for, for New Heights well, Live in Kansas City? I'll, I'll tell you something that probably not everybody knows. Because I have done uh, gigs in the music hall, uh, hasn't haven't done one for a long time, but they have an elevator there that you can actually put a car on. So mm. it would be possible to have some kind of a WWE stunt where a car mm. drives onto the stage uh, of the music hall. So I'm just going to put that out there as a as yeah. a thought of something weird. I'm not that sure how happen we... during this podcast. Yeah, I'm... I'm not sure how we can wire that information to the the Kelsey group, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to find a way. I think to to make sure that they they know that that's possible. Speaking of tight ends, 
uh, lesser known tight ends, except for here in, in Kansas City and maybe Oklahoma. Blake Bell back with the Chiefs on a, on a one year deal. I I tend to think so long as the Chiefs don't don't draft uh, a tight end, which is possible, I think in in this particular draft, uh, you should have the the same room that we've been used to these past couple of years now with Kelsey and and Gray and and Fortson uh, and now Bell. I know that Andy Reid has liked to have that four tight end group uh, on the table. It's it's been thwarted a couple of years in a row here where you had the Fortson injury and then now it's the three man team and then all of a sudden Bell is not ready last year and so. I think they try to give this four tight end room another go. Uh, Noah Gray really stepped up last year as far as the blocking in, in this whole thing goes. But Blake Bell has been the, the best blocking tight end on the team for a couple of years besides that hiatus year that he had in, in Dallas after the the first Super Bowl win. But that's kind of how I see this going. And, and to me, it's a why not deal for the Chiefs. Only thing is, if they were to draft a tight end, I, I think, this could be an interesting scenario when it comes down to the only the single cut down day, John. Forget about right, these right. multiple yeah. the single cut down day that we have this year. Yeah, you know, I think that analysis would be spot on at this time a year ago. Um, but I'm not so sure that it's spot on this year. And that's because there are so many good tight ends in the draft. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible that the Chiefs might grab one of these guys, maybe not a first round guy, but there could be some guys that they really like later in the draft. So I'm viewing Blake bell as a placeholder. You know, we always talk about the chiefs uh, making sure they have enough guys that can go out and play a game tomorrow if they had to, so they can go into the draft uh, and truly get best player available. I think that Blake bell needs to be worried about a guy that's being drafted and taking his place. You're ready to hand Blake bell the, 2023 Ronald Jones award yeah, yeah, for that could good happen. luck. Good luck keeping your job when yeah. we sign Jarek McKinnon and or draft a stud tight end in the seventh round yeah. out of Rutgers. <laughs> it tells you he's going to take a job and he does by week eight. Look out. I, I think very possible. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, that back end in the room is something to watch. Certainly tight end is not a problem for the chiefs. I think Noah Gray is, Hiding plain sight as someone ready to break mm-hmm. out. He's just in it and, you know, talk about shadows in the wide receiver room. That is a colossal shadow behind Travis Kelsey in the tight end room. And look, he's getting older at some point, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't right. seem like it's going to be any time soon. So how does that play into how the, the trajectory of, of Noah Gray's career, career goes? We'll, we'll, we'll see how that ends up playing out as we go here. So Blake Bell back with the chiefs on the one year deal. The chiefs signed two defensive tackles, a 2019 fifth rounder in Byron Coart and a 2021 seventh rounder in Phil Hoskins. Hoskins had actually been here on the practice squad. And I, if I'm not mistaken, we'll get a ring out of it, even though he really didn't have, have much to, to do. But when you're on the roster, you're on the roster. Uh, when it comes to Coart, who's a, a new face, this was the analysis from Ron Kopp in our film review as, as far as the synopsis goes. Before New England placed him on the reserve PUP list in 2021, Coart was an ascending player who was continuing to develop in a position he had not played before. He was waived before he could be bounced back. And the timing of that move may have impacted how effective he could be with Indianapolis in 2022. If Coart can get back on the roll, he was starting to build in New England. He should be a legitimate competitor to become Kansas City's starting DT, the position that Derek Nottie has occupied in recent seasons. In 2020, Coart was 
as stout as Nadi looked in 2022, but against the run, both against the run and the pass, and he might even have a, a higher ceiling as an overall playmaker. Either way, this is Brett Veach building depth in that room, and, and that's what I see it as. I'm not going to tell you that I think this guy's going to come out of the woodwork and earn a starting position necessarily, but in recent years, we have seen Brett Veach one year it's you know that running back position which we just talked about maybe it's another year where he just has a million wide receivers he picks a position each year where he goes and his and he says we're gonna throw 15 names at this position mm-hmm. and guess what by the end of training camp we're gonna like a couple of these guys and i i think this is these are two moves this is an effort to make a nice big meaty competition at dt and that way maybe you don't have to necessarily spend a draft pick on that you feel like you, you might have enough there and plus you do have the luxury of having the best defensive tackle in the league and Chris Jones leading that room. And so in a way, I, I think anyone in that position, so long as they're a good run stuffer is going to, going to meet the criteria for what you need. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. Um, um, it's, I'm not clear to me. I'm not really clear on what they expect out of Derek Noddy this year. Um, and so that's the only, the only question mark that I would put on this. Um, he's on a veteran salary benefit deal, so he could be just as expendable as the next guy. Um, but, um, um, although I was his guaranteed, I I have lost track of some of these VSB deals because now we're starting to see some of them be fully guaranteed contracts. And I've forgotten if his was one of them, but, um, um, I'm, I'm just, I agree. They're going to throw some, some people at this. Looking at uh, um, for for Naughty right here, it it is one it is, one it million is. guaranteed. Yes. Okay, so he has a better chance of being there. When but you made a good get... point last podcast, John, about uh, the Jermaine Carter 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 mm-hmm. the Jermaine yep. Carter uh, asterisk. <laughs> yeah, New York came out a little bit there, uh, and where <laughs> the Chiefs they're in that position right here where it's it's championship over everything. So just because someone is guaranteed X amount of money, they may say. Enjoy your money, uh, but right, you know, right, right, right. No, I agree, and but it does, but it is, you know, part of the equation, you know, right. and, and it might not be enough for them to say um, we have to keep this guy, but it is going to matter because they're so tied up against the cap with you know Patrick Mahomes' contract as part of the equation and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Um, I think Naughty because he has the guaranteed contract, even if it's a, a low cost VSB deal, um, is is going to have a little bit of an edge, but not a big one. It's not like they're paying him, you know, five million dollars. And um, so uh, this will be a very interesting thing to watch. And I and I'm kind of interested to see what we get out of Phil Hoskins. Um, this is, you know, a guy that we just know nothing about. Right. Uh, he was on the team for on the practice squad for three or four weeks, I think. Most of it in the postseason, so we we know nothing about this guy. And typically, when the, the the Chiefs try to try to get these guys on those reserve future deals, they liked him pre-draft, or someone in the room did, and they mm-hmm. say to themselves, "Well, let's get him with our coaches and see what happens." So it's a, it's a name worth remembering. I don't know if he's going to end up making the fifty-three, but we shall see. George Karloftis this week was spotted working with Tamba Ali, I presume, in Kansas City, doing some hand fighting. I don't really have a ton to say here. I think that's a very cool thing to see former players, especially someone as popular as Tamba Ali working with, which with George Karloftis. I mean, I don't know how much it's going to lead to him having more than what did he have? Six sacks, five and a half in the last seven games. 
Uh, but it's just a very cool moment to see on social media. We threw it, we threw it up there at, at Arrowhead Pride. Well, I, I think the thing that people are excited about here is that Tamba Hali always had a big chunk of his effectiveness in his hand fighting because mm-hmm. he took uh, he took classes in karate or some kind of I'm I'm Jiu-Jitsu. not sure Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, yeah, he took he took the mm-hmm. classes to become an expert in this oriental uh, field of self defense to improve his hand fighting and I think that's why people are excited about this is they they, they feel that Carl Aftis could have uh, could help it could help him a lot. And I think that's a I think that's an excellent point. You know, Carl Aftis isn't coming into this thing uh, with a lot on his uh, list of achievements other than a really good motor. So any help that uh, Halley can give him, I think, will make him a better player, and I'm all for it. Do you think he has 10 sacks in 2023? I think it's possible. It's not that big of a, a reach to go from from 6 to 10, uh, particularly if if this really helps him. Yeah, I think um, the key there was five and a half in the, in the last seven games, right? So now yeah, you, you yeah. this this new version of Karloftis who also got a sack in the AFC title game. You you know you have a whole season of them. It, it seems reasonable. Uh, so as we talk about uh, former players, uh, and uh, shout out to our our pal, the Brit Chief, Brad Brad S, the the Legion of Zoom, which he of course owns the 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 British patent to. Uh, which is incredible, <laughs> an incredible story. It's dead. Everybody that was on the quote-unquote Legion of Zoom in the wide receiver room is is now elsewhere. Tyree Kill is uh, in Miami. McCole Hardman is with the New York Jets. Demarcus Robinson most recently with the Baltimore Ravens. Sammy Watkins, a free agent. Byron Pringle in, in Chicago. And so that old... Actually, he's old, a free agent now, too. Right, he's he also, just yeah. played with yeah. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that old... Uh, that old Legion of Zoom is, is no more, John. Are, are, do you have any parting words for the Legion of Zoom? No, I'm just glad I won't have to point out that Seattle didn't invent the Legion of Boom, that it came from something else. <laughs> I'm tired of making that point. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a key part of the, the Patrick Mahomes story where they started mm-hmm. with a really yeah. high-powered offense where – it was built on the idea of the chiefs chucking the ball down the field and that threat teams adjusted by making sure that they never beat the the last man, the, the NFL version of parking the bus in a way. And then they adjusted and changed their offense altogether and, and won another Super Bowl. And so, you know, you talk about McCall Hardman, it, the Legion of Zoom was really over halfway through the year. He, he wasn't able to play half, half the year because of that whole mm-hmm. abdomen right. thing. And then he only was able to, to play in the one playoff game limited and then not even in the Super Bowl anyway. And uh, the, the Chiefs made a living in the second half off of working in a possession receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster's you know, pounding Smith-Schuster, which was very different from the, the Legion of Zoom. So it was just the first chapter in a, a long book of Patrick Mahomes. It's a little bit sad to think about because I think when it was happening, you're like, this is going to be great forever and this is going to be this great offense. And <laughs> but. Sort of a one one year wonder in a way, and and now the Chiefs are moving on to I think building a more balanced offense. To me, well, that's because the NFL uh, stands for not for long, and we that's keep right. getting a reminder of this every year that this stuff just doesn't last very long. That's right. 
That's right. Uh, speaking of NFL not for long, Odell Beckham Jr., who we mentioned earlier, uh, did not even play last year because of an injury in the Super Bowl and still looking for a team. We already discussed that the Chiefs, I think, remain interested, but it'll only be for their price. I don't think we need to, to continue to, to build upon that story. So with that being said, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we are going to pick the brain, the beautiful brain of my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon, <laughs> as he explains the contracts for Mike Edwards and, and Drew Tranquil. And we get into our flash poll. Stay with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, John, uh, you know, I know your last name is Dixon, but it, it should be Nash because you have a beautiful mind and you get these contracts <laughs> in some ways that I don't oh, a lot of the time man. and you're able to explain them to me. So let's get into the contracts for, for Mike Edwards and Drew Tranquil. And as is typical in the Brett Beach era, right, these things are a little bit more affordable than people realize. And that's a good thing for Kansas City. Yeah, we knew right away, these contracts are both very similar, just for starters. We knew right away that they would have uh, a maximum value of $5 million and around $3 million in cap hit, uh, and also happening to be cash because the uh, these are one-year contracts in the opening season. And uh, so they do this in both cases with a base salary that's right around the minimum uh, just over a million dollars, and then a signing bonus that's around 1.4 million, and then uh, so basically per game bonuses that uh, add up to around 500,000. Now, in Edwards' case, this per game roster bonus gets into the likely to be earned or not likely to be earned calculation because he only appeared in. Um, uh, I think it was 11 games. Maybe it was 12 games. Uh, thir- no, I thought it was thir- 13 games. Sorry. Okay. It was 13 games uh, last season. So his roster bonus uh, that counts against the cap only is uh, the, the the amount of money times 13 games. The rest of it, if it's earned, if he was to play in all 17 games this season, for example, uh, the remainder of that money would count against next year's cap. Now, uh, in uh, – uh, Tranquil's case, um, he the whole amount carries, counts against the cap this year because he played in all 17 games uh, for the Chargers last year. So, um, as usual, they do a really nice job of, uh, of of figuring this out, so it doesn't cost the Chiefs a whole lot of money. Both of them have cap hits just under three, uh, right around three million dollars in the coming season, and both of them should be more than worth that amount of money based on what we know about them so far. 
Yeah, Tranquil led the Chargers in tackles. So to me, getting an affordable deal is such a win. And then you need to load up on that safety room with with some depth pieces. And Mike Edwards could be more than that. I know that we've been talking about his ball hawk ability. And so to to get those players in affordable deals, good good job by Brett Beach, uh, as per usual, you know, you know, at this stage of the game. And and again, I, I think it plays into the theme of what we were talking about earlier and and the fact that you're going to play ball with the Chiefs or not be on a team with Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs know that they have that advantage. Uh, again, I, I know that people are trying to yearn here for a wide receiver, but, you know, at a certain, a certain time and place, it's like, okay, do you want to have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Because you can do it here. Um, and, you know, I, quite obviously, these contracts made sense to the players for, for more than one reason. I'm sure there was a little bit of a Kansas City advantage built into that. Uh, J.D., uh, we have some, some rule changes that that mm. happened you did this article for us uh, at arrowheadpride.com so some changes ahead of the 2023 nfl season as you look through the rule changes what stood out to you well most of these uh, are about small things just making the rules a little more consistent most of the rules uh, proposed by the competition committee were along those lines uh, an example of this is making the penalty for uh, illegal punts or drop kicks consistent with other illegal acts. In other words, the penalty for this is going to be the same as it is for these other illegal things that happen in the game. And there's like four or five of those where it's just about, um, you know, making the rules more consistent. The competition committee uh, proposed two rules that were kind of um, controversial. One of them would have moved punt touchbacks to the 25 yard line. That one was voted down. And then the other one, which I think is very strange, um, said that on a kickoff, if it's fair caught behind the 25 yard line, it comes out to the 25 yard line. Now that one was not voted down. It was tabled. And the word now is that when the league meets again, they may pass that for next right. year. But for the moment, that rule is not uh, going to and be enforced in 2023. Now, the teams put forth a few rules, and a few of those were uh, were passed. These tend to be a little more controversial than uh, than what the competition committee will do. Uh, the Eagles wanted to uh, allow players to have the the jersey number zero, uh, <laughs> but uh, and the, the league said fine. Let's that's fine. In fact, I think it was nearly unanimous the vote for that one. Um, the Chargers wanted to had a procedural thing about adjusting the play clock after an instant replay, make that consistent with how other things are timed. That's a, another one of those making things consistent thing. And then the uh, the only one that involved replay that was approved was by the Texans uh, expanding the replays jurisdiction to failed fourth down attempts. Now, in other words, if you fail on fourth down, the review of the review officials up in the booth can decide to review that the coach doesn't have to throw a flag. And I think this is actually a good rule because, um, you know, a fourth down conversion that fails uh, is sometimes something that coaches have to throw a red flag on. And I think it's fine for the, the league to do some of those, um, even though the coach doesn't have a flag to do it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm for that one. I think that's a, a good step forward. But the teams had several other rules that involved expanding instant replay, and uh, there were several of those. None of them made it. 
Um, so, and of course the, the really weird one was from the Eagles, uh, an, an alternate, uh, onside kick rule where you get the, get a fourth and 20 from your own yeah. 20 yard line. We've seen <laughs> and that one that was set be, aside too. We've seen that be interesting in the XFL and, and leagues like that, mm-hmm. where they, yeah. rather than having the onside kick, they, they will allow you to do a fourth and long attempt. And mm-hmm. going into what we were just talking about, to me, that'll be a huge advantage for certain teams who aren't like a run first team and are built. Mm-hmm. I think it's just too much of a, of a competitive disadvantage for teams built in certain ways. So I, I don't think that's ever going to happen in the NFL. Now, with that being said, I, I saw this interesting nugget that they want onside recoveries to go from about 4% to 14 or 15 percent and so they want to find other ways to do that all in an effort to make the game more exciting right mm-hmm. like if, you, right. if your team is down 10 in your second thursday night football game of the year you know you're so tired but you're trying to <laughs> still win the game and rather than there being such a such a minimal chance of you somehow getting back in the game they want to improve that to about one out of ten which to me makes sense but i, I don't know how exactly you, you do that so We'll see if there are any changes as we go. Sometimes what they'll do is do in the preseason these trial runs of certain rules. So that's always something to monitor as well. I think the biggest rule change is the one you glossed over a little bit there, John, from the Texans with the fourth down. I I don't think teams should have to challenge such a crucial down when they're going for it on fourth down. And uh, I like that that'll now be reviewed um, by the officials automatically, similar to what you would see on, what is it, turnovers? Mm-hmm. And, and touchdowns, touchdowns and scoring plays yeah and scoring plays where you don't have to burn a, a challenge um and i know that there had been other talks about maybe expanding the challenge rule that that didn't happen number zero i i think every team is going to have a zero i think this is going to be very <laughs> interesting to players uh, do you have a, a pick john of who we might see as kansas city's number zero well i think that uh, anyone whose name starts with o is <laughs> Yes. You, think? you know, Dorian O'Daniel, if he were still on the team, that would be the, Orlando Brown. Right. Junior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, so um, I well, think there's a rule, though, if you change your jersey, you know, for the next year, I believe you have to buy out the other jerseys in the in the like. It, it's not just as simple as oh. you saying. Yeah. I believe there's like an NFL merch rule. So it would have to be. A player who who would want it so bad that that he he might be willing to do that. I'm going to go out on a limb here, John. Mm-hmm. And I, it's almost a bold prediction, but I don't care. I I'm going with Justin Ross for number zero in Kansas City because I don't think there are enough Justin Ross eight jerseys out there where it's going to be a deal uh, where he's going to have to pay too much money or anything like that. And I think it's a, a player that has a lot of attention. I think he probably has the quote unquote swag to do it. You need to, you know, I know that uh, Calvin Ridley has done it in, in, mm-hmm, in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to go Justin, Justin Ross here. We'll see uh, if I'm correct or not in, in that sense. I, I would just be happy if uh, Justin Ross's playing time was greater than zero uh, mm-hmm. this season. I, I See, I'd be worried that that would be a, a bad, I'd put some bad juju on his season, the, the, the zero Jersey. Uh, but yeah, but but I think you're making a good point. I could see how he would be someone who would want to do that. I I, I think you're you're making a good choice. I just 
I just hope it doesn't portend something, I guess. You know, I really saying. believe it because the last thing I wanted to do was remind fans that Justin Ross exists because then we're going to get more comments <laughs> and tweets about him. <laughs> I mean, he looked terrible last year. I, I've said that a number of times on, on the podcast. So maybe <laughs> I know that there's a workout video of him recently running up a hill. Yeah. Maybe he looked better mm-hmm. this year. But even b- before he got injured last year, I did not see it. Uh, but look, he's had a year of seasoning, right? The meat is always better. The takeaways are always better after they're marinated. And we'll see if Justin Ross can can do something in training camp this year and, and prove uh, last year's version of me wrong. That was a, a pretty, pretty big doubter. I mean, the first well, that would be fantastic if it does. I mean, there's no question about that. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he's a podcast listener and I was going to show up with zero and right. give me a point mm-hmm. yeah. or something. And then I'm yeah. going to have to root for him. You know, maybe that'll be <laughs> that'll be the case. All right. Let's get into our last uh, story here. This was more of a of of uh an article I just wanted to bring to people's attention that I thought was really good by Jared, who just continues to put up good stuff at AP when it comes to the panic of this year's off season, I'm going to read an excerpt from his article that we have up there right now. Wait, I want to get the title of it so I can recommend it to you. Wonderful listeners uh, in past two off seasons, chiefs, Brett Veach made the right calls. So I, I recommend that you go and read the whole thing, but I like this part. At this point, two years ago, Kansas City did not have a left tackle signed, even though the team was coming off an all-time horrific offensive line performance in Super Bowl 55 as one free agent option after another became unavailable. Panic set in among fans and media. The Chiefs were even urged to sign 11-year veteran Russell Okung, who had missed 19 games over the previous two seasons to fill its need. There was speculation that key acquisition Joe Tooney, considered among the league's best guards, would switch to tackle. And then... As we got closer to the draft weekend, we saw the big-time splash trade for Orlando Orlando Brown. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and guarantee that the Chiefs are going to make a stunning trade for a wide receiver. And you know, I, I like I said, I I do still think they're they're connected to Odell. I can't wrap my head around the money of DeAndre Hopkins, which is why I think less about that right now. But to simply think here on March 29th that Brett Feach is going to like leave the wide receiver room alone and mm-hmm. not have a, yeah. a grander plan. I just think it's a little silly. And look, we got 160 and change days until opening night. And, and yes, it's boring right now. And it, it would be fun if, if the chiefs had a, a splash signing or a splash trade, like they were able to do for Orlando Brown. But I, I think Brett Veach deserves the benefit of the doubt here. Like, what are we doing? We just we just had panic last year. We just had panic the previous year, right? They went to the AFC title game and then won the Super Bowl again. I think it's hard to preach patience, right? Because I get it. Mm-hmm, but, right, right. But I'm telling you, when we get to training camp, there will be another receiver there, whether it be a a veteran that you're not thinking of, maybe that's available on the team, a veteran like Odell that they sign, or maybe a premium draft pick where you're saying, okay, there's going to be another youth movement here in the wide receiver room. Yeah. I, I also thought this was a terrific article. Another uh, example of the great pieces that uh, Jared has brought to the table on Arrowhead pride. And we really appreciate Jared uh, since he's joined us. And this is a good example of why we do. Um, I think one of the interesting points that he made was that we pay attention to these top 30 visits and say, okay, well, the Chiefs are likely to get this guy because they had him in for a top 30 visit. Or we take the opposite approach that this guy is coming in as a, as a way to deceive other teams the Chiefs are interested. 
And what Jared was saying in part here is that the Chiefs used those visits to examine what the depth of the corner, the cornerback uh, was in the draft uh, last year specifically, knowing because they talked to all these guys that, that were at the back end of the draft that they could get a lot of good cornerbacks, meaning that they didn't have to do anything in free agency. It helps them decide, in other words, what they're going to do, where they're going to go to get particular kinds of players. I've seen over the last couple of days uh, some tweets from um, uh, Kevin Cole, I think his name is, who's an analyst uh, for effort, does some NFL an analysis on Twitter where he does a lot of things about, you know, whether it's wiser to get certain positions in free agency or in the draft. And I think that's fine that people want to look at that kind of stuff. But it always comes down to which players are available at those positions right now. And I think that's an underrated part of what people bring to these discussions is that it's not so much about, uh, you know, what the history has been of defensive ends in the draft or cornerbacks or, or any other position. It's about which ones are available right now. And that's what a GM is really going to be looking at, which is the guy I really want to have on my team. And can I afford to get him? You know, is there a way to make that happen? That's what all these interviews are about. And I think that's one of the things that Jared hit on here. Yeah. And I, I made our flash poll sort of in, in reference and connection with this point of how real is the panic? And, mm -hmm. and yeah. because it's confusing, right? Because if you go to chief's Twitter, it's like that meme of the fire dog with the dog in the room and the flames. Oh, right. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everything's fine. And you would think like, okay, this is, is really bad. And so my question this morning to chiefs fans, and we had more than 1700 chiefs fans weigh in. So that's, that's usually a pretty good barometer of, of how the whole fan base is feeling. How satisfied have you been with the chiefs off season to date? Now, John, what would Twitter tell you here or comments? Oh, um, I would say on Twitter that maybe one third is satisfied with what the Chiefs See, have done so this, far. This is the squeaky wheel theory that you always mm -hmm. have to keep in mind as we talk about panic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sixty-one percent of fans are satisfied. Wow. So okay. to me, what that is telling you is there's only a certain amount of fans who are dissatisfied now. It's not small, thirty percent. So you're looking at you're looking at about two thirds that are satisfied, and then there was another six percent, John, that were very satisfied. So you add sixty one and and six percent. Yeah, that's, that's right at two thirds. Yeah, mm -hmm. quick math, sixty seven point yeah. one. Look at me, I'm I'm on a roll here. Sixty seven point two. Say I got too excited. Sixty seven point two. So that's two thirds of the fan base that are are fine and that are happy. Of the unsatisfied, only 30.8% say they're just unsatisfied. And then what you would think would be a grand majority of fans, John, based upon some of the comments and how mm -hmm. crazy it's been and the reaction is 2.1% are considering yeah. themselves very unsatisfied. So when you go on Chiefs Twitter or in our wonderful comments section, Arrowhead Pride, and you say, man, why is our entire fan base so upset? They're not. Most fans mm -hmm. are fine right now, right? <laughs> Most fans are fine right now. And that's just a good reminder using the wonderful Twitter poll tool to, to show you that, uh, yes, I think a lot of fans would like to see more. We, we noted 
30%, 32% not satisfied. But the majority of fans are, are like, okay, we do actually trust in Beach. It's just you don't see a lot of people that are so, so satisfied that they're running to Twitter and saying, shut up. No, we're fine. <laughs> Things, you, have a, you have a couple that are willing to do that. But more times than not, you see people that want to complain more apt to leave comments. So just so everyone realizes, okay, I think everyone – uh, you know, sh- we should give the the I think the entire fan base more credit for breathing a little bit because well, I, I think well, it's worth noting there. All right, so I'm, that, I'm, that... I'm guilty of that, so I'll I'll own to that. Sometimes I don't give them enough credit to the fan base, so I'll I'll, I'll own up to that. It's just like when you go to to leave reviews on things. How often are you like? I need to go back onto that website and tell them that is the best. <laughs> item X that I've ever had. No, it's like I paid for this. You bet your ass. I'm running to the computer and I'm going to talk about it. So, a good reminder that look, we 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 are I think keeping everything uh, in perspective for the most part here. All right. Well, that is an Arrowhead Pride editor show. I didn't think we'd we'd get through an hour of content. I didn't think we had enough. But me and John very clearly like to yap. So we were able to get you an hour of content today. Thank you to Steve Serta behind the scenes. Always does a great job for us. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com. Keep it locked in on our podcast network as we gear up for the NFL draft in about a month's time. John, right here uh, in Kansas City, we'll be keeping the the content coming. So, again, thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. If you like our podcast network, please go on to Apple iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Remember, if you can go look at it now, if you read a five-star you can, and you live a one-star, you can see which one gets read here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. So make sure we're leaving those five-star reviews. <laughs> My book is out, as I told you guys, every show, uh, A Dynasty Begins. That link is at twitter.com slash bgsween. You can also get it on Amazon and out in Kansas City at, at all different kinds of spots, including Rally House, Barnes & Noble, et cetera, et cetera. And that's it. That's it for the Editor Show. We will uh, be back with you if there is breaking Chiefs news with an emergency podcast as we go here until then or until next time uh, for john dixon steve serta i'm pete sweeney thank you for joining us on another edition of the arrowhead pride editors show